You're listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, this Wednesday morning. Now, let's turn to our next guest of today. In the next 20 minutes or so, we're chatting to children's book author Ritu Hamnani. And she joins us live this morning in the studio, and she's going to tell us all about her new book, Lion of the Sky. Welcome on the program. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Ritu. Thank you, Noreen, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great for our listeners to also see you this morning. We are live this morning, I hope. Yes, we are on Facebook. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. Now, the last time you were here was quite some time ago. Um, I'd like to say welcome back, although it was for the 123 show, but still, it's the RTHK studio. How are you doing? How have you been? I've been very well, thank you. And what have you been up to from 2017 when you were last here till now? Well, 2017, my book, Gopanmira, A Migration Story, was released in in conjunction with the 70th anniversary of India's independence. Um, It was a dream come true for me, a self-published book. Um, school started inviting me in and I was I visited school after school sharing with them about the migration story um, of my own community uh, the 1947 partition of India and there was great fascination we found many bridges being built with other communities with other histories um, it was a great opportunity to travel uh, I went to different festivals around the world I met different uh, Indian consul generals around the world um, and so many of the elderly community contacted me and wanted to share their story of partition so it was just yeah, incredible journey of connection and growth. I never in my wildest dreams imagined I would have this response from the book. Yeah, what made you sort of want to write a book? Ah, well, back then it all came back to my daughter Nadia, who asked me a homework question when she was eight years old. Why do people migrate? Um, And I told her we live in such a transitory place, Hong Kong, people are always coming and going for a change of job. And around the world, people are moving to get away from natural disasters. People move to improve their standard of living. And sometimes people move because they have no choice. And I shared with her our history uh, about the partition. Um, And I said it was a a huge thing that impacted our family, my grandparents and great-grandparents, even my own parents. And she said, well, how big exactly? And I said, well, you know, 14 million people lost their homes and over a million died. And she was fascinated, so we went to the library to find out which is where you find out about things. And we found loads of books about the World Wars and the Holocaust, but not a single children's book about the partition of India. And my little girl put her hands on her hips and said, you're making it up, aren't you? I don't believe you. And I just thought, gosh, if my own daughter doesn't believe me, what about the the millions in the next generations who just deny their history? And it, it just it left me with a broken heart. And then that's when you decided to take matters in your own hands. Well, I wasn't sure if I could do it, but I thought I may as well try. And with a background of English teacher, you know, the English teacher inside me, I just thought, well, I'm a mother, I'm an English teacher, let me try. And... And it worked out. Exactly. If it wasn't you, it couldn't be anybody else. (laughs) Well, let's talk about this new book then, Line of the Sky. Where did this idea come from? And and give us a bit of background. What is it about? Okay, so after writing Gopamira Migration Story, I had done so much primary and secondary research. I had so much information in my head and heart that just had to come out. Um, And so I had this idea of writing a novel. Um, I wanted to write to the middle-aged group, uh, to the middle-grade students uh, who I feel... I always wish that when I was maybe 8 to 12, I had a book like this, which sort of reflected my heritage and my identity and empowered me and gave me courage and resilience, knowing that my forefathers had the courage and resilience that they had. Um, And so I really wanted to write this book. And I thought, you know, I'd really like to be traditionally published. I think once you've self-published a book and you've learned so much about the industry, you want to know if you've got what it takes. 
you know, to make it into the traditional traditional published world. And I know the percentages are so small, but it, I was up for the challenge. Um, so I actually started off writing a novel in prose. It was a romance for a, a young adult audience. Um, and I, I wrote for two years and I sent it out to agents and I got rejected. And you get a lot of rejection in this industry. So you have to be prepared for it. Um, and if I think back and I'm honest, their rejections came with a lot of great advice. Uh, they weren't connecting to the characters. They weren't connecting to the nuance and depth that I was trying to create in the atmosphere. And when I was really honest with myself, I thought, you know, if this book gets published, I don't think I'll feel very proud having my name on this book. Um, so I did something pretty brave. And after two years, I scrapped the book. Um, and I said, I'm going to start again. And I did what I think every good writer should do. I picked up a book. I think every good writer is a good reader. And I read and I read widely and I found myself drawn to verse novels. And verse novels are novels that are told in moments, in scenes that are captured through poems. And I read Inside Out and Back Again by Thana Lai. I read um, The Crossover by Kwame Alexander, which is now a series on Disney, a very famous series. Um, and I read um, Other Words for Home by Jasmine Walker. And each of these verse novels just hit me straight in the heart. Um, they were able to capture depth and um, great emotion and nuance in just a few spare words. And I just thought, gosh, I would love to be able to write in this genre, in this style. Um, and so I, I decided I was going to write a verse novel. And, and that's and was it challenging for you, or were you so immersed in that in that mode of thinking and writing that it came quite naturally for you? I think I'm actually a very natural poet. Um, uh, I, I have been writing poetry since I was a little girl. I would write whenever I took public transport. I would glide along a star ferry and write poems about all the interesting people. The rhymes would just come to Absolutely. you naturally. Absolutely. And wow. I would trundle along a Hong Kong tram and write about all the sounds and smells in Hong Kong. And one day I was sitting at the top deck of a moving double-decker bus as it snaked its way up the peak. And I wrote a poem about my feelings. And that poem won me first prize at a poetry competition oh, at school. Wow. And I just thought, gosh, if I could win a prize by, by sitting on a bus for five minutes, ten minutes and, and writing a poem, I really like this. I'm going to keep writing. You and have so, a gift with words. So I just, <laughs> I just kept entering poetry competitions and I kept writing poetry. Yeah. So I, I think it does flow quite naturally. And I wrote direct into the verse. Um, and so I was deeply involved in this novel. And then... My then 16-year-old older daughter said to me she wanted to do a TEDx talk. And so I went with her to the auditions and um, they weren't taking 16-year-olds at the time. And the mother in me was saying to her, you know, maybe you should tweak your talk a little bit. Maybe you shouldn't quite start like that. And one of the representatives of TEDx Sinha Women overheard me and said, well, why don't you show her what you mean, mum? And I thought, well, you know, I've got nothing prepared. I, I can't show her anything. And she said, well, we're having auditions again next month. Why don't you come back? So I did. I went back because I was fascinated by this group of women. Uh, I was just inspired by them. Oh, they all have amazing Incredible. stories. Yep. And I just, I saw it was a teaching opportunity for me. And so I, I stood up. And the teacher and the mother in you. Absolutely. And I said, I'm going to show my daughter how to do this so that maybe she'll do it next year. So I spoke for three minutes on a topic and the room was packed with people. So I thought, well, I've got no hope of getting through, but I'll just do it. And then we left. And the following week, I got a call saying we would like you to be our first speaker for the TEDx event this year. And wow. I mean, I thought what an amazing opportunity, but I'm not going to do it. I'm busy. I'm writing a verse novel. I have an agenda here, you know, and I told my parents and I told my kids and my husband and they all looked at me and said, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Do the TED talk. So I did. Wow. And you put the novel on hold for a while and I then did, you returned yeah. to it after your TED talk. I did. But, you know, 
it was so much inside of me that my TED talk was about a very different perspective of my heritage and the partition story. And it was about how I feel that what I know about my past now is an inheritance worth sharing. Yeah. And I feel like it's so important that we share our family stories. So I had to dig deep and find the treasures within me. But um, I really do feel that it was just a life-changing um, opportunity for me. So anyone out there, if you have the opportunity to do a TEDx talk, take that chance. Well, yeah, let's talk. Let's explore that further because both Gopin Mira and Line of the Sky deals with the history of India and also its relation to the partition. Explain a little bit more about that significance and, and what it has for you and also for perhaps the next generation. Well, around history, when you see you see war and you see devastation, you usually see a monument or you, you see a memorial. Today, there is no monument, there is no memorial for the people who suffered for the victims and the survivors of the partition of India. All we have are the stories that are passed down. And for so many years, our elders didn't want to share these stories. These were, these were migration stories no one wanted to tell because they were racked with, just imagine being told you have to lose the only home you've ever known. Just, just imagine being told you have to leave all the heirlooms, all the tapestries, all the marble furniture that your family invested years into, that you have to leave your neighbors and friends behind, that you only have the shirts on your back, you don't know where you're going to live, you don't know where your next meal is going to come from, and you don't know what you're going to pass on to the next generation because your pockets are empty. Just imagine the trauma of having knives and guns in your face as a child, perhaps even looking up at your parents and seeing knives and guns and the conflict and the fear. No, I don't I don't think anyone wanted to share that story. And, and I think that's why it, it's so important that we talk about this now, because it's not just the tragedy and the devastation. We have so much to celebrate. I mean, speaking from my own Sindhi community, we went on to be resilient. We went on to show courage and and adjust and um, make a pivot. And I think so much in today, young kids need to realize when things don't go our way, and sometimes life is hard, we need to dig deep and find the courage and resilience to pivot and find a way to not only survive, but thrive. Because that is the, the true story of this in the community. The legacy is that they lost everything. But the truth is that they went on to work hard and, and thrive. Absolutely. If you look around Hong Kong itself, you know, the community is really, um, you know, all, all walks of life, you'll find different people from the different Indian community and yes. the diaspora. Now, one of you meant you touched on this earlier, Ritu, is that one of the difference in terms of publishing is that for your first book, uh, Gopin Mira, it was self-published. And then for this next book, you went down the more traditional path. Explain the process. Like you, you mentioned just now that you have to develop sort of thick skin. What sorts of feedback was given to you? What sorts of adjustments did you have to do this time round? Well, when you when you are traditionally publishing, you have to send off query letters to an agent. And uh, so you have to learn the craft. You have to learn. First of all, you have to write the what's book. A of your heart. What's a query letter? <laughs> a query letter is where it's a letter where you're basically summarizing what your book is about, why it's your story to tell. And you're, you've done your research and you're writing to agents whose heart breaks for the work that, that breaks yours as well, the kind of stories that, you know, uh, you have a great connection with. And wow, so that letter is sort of like that cover letter absolutely. that you need to hook them in. Yeah, and then you're sending them the first 10 pages of your work. And then, you know, you're, you're trusting the, the universe and sometimes they'll get back to you in days. I mean, but that is extremely rare. It's usually months and can even be years. So you're waiting and waiting to hear back from them. And if they like your work, they might ask for a partial, you know, send me the first 50 pages or they might ask for the full manuscript if they really like your work. 
and then you send it and again fingers crossed and you're hopeful and then if they like you they'll they will write back and say let's have a call i want to represent you and then you're dancing on the <laughs> roof because you're thinking somebody believes in me somebody loves my work take us back to that moment then when you first got that letter or you you first got contacted like they wanted to sign you on so for me i I wanted an agent. I didn't just want any agent. I really wanted that whale of an agent whose heart broke for the things that broke mine. It, it's pointless to just choose any agent out there. They have to be someone who really likes the kind of work that you love as well, kind of stories that you love to write. Because it's like a marriage. You're going to be building um, a career with this person. And it's not just one book. You're looking and thinking about the next 30, 40 books down the line or even more. Um, and so Ruben Pfeffer was an agent that I'd read about, heard about. He was my, you know, extreme dream agent that not in a million years is he going to be interested in me. And so when he wrote back and said he wanted to read my full, it was just a dream come true. And then after two days when he wrote back and he told me what my book meant to him and he told me that he wanted to represent me, it was just an unforgettable moment. And um, I had tears and I think you change, you change as a person. I think I went from amateur to author in that moment because I thought if he believed in me, I better start believing in myself. Up until that point, you didn't believe? I, I think you do, but I think to have that reflected back on you, to know that mm -hmm. someone you regard, regard so highly thinks that of you and your work, you just start to see yourself in a different, yeah. a different Gopin light. Mira was also very successful. It was, yeah. it was. But I mean, to have someone like <laughs> yes. him turn around, you know, and um, when I see the clients he represents, to know that I'm now on his website, you know, he represents me and he's proud to do that. That was incredible. That must be such a wow moment. Yeah. I can I can even feel the excitement. Yeah, that... goosebumps. It was amazing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, what else is in the pipeline? You really enjoy writing for for, for uh, young children and children. What else is in the pipeline? So, I I want to explore all kinds of genres. Um, so, I've written a verse novel. Um, I'm interested in writing more children's books, both in fiction and nonfiction. Um, I'm interested in writing prose now in middle grade and young adult, and I'd really like to try my hand at graphic novels one day. I mean, I loved reaching Archie comics and, and all novels, of that, yeah. right? And I just think graphic novels are making a comeback in a big way. They really are. Um, and it's again, it's a different genre, and I'd need to learn a lot, but I think it'd be worth it. Exactly. I think there's such skill and, and such talent in writing for, for, for younger audiences because you've got a big message that you've sort of got to dilute or you've got to um, simplify in a way that they understand your message and just choosing the right words. I think it's, yeah, hats off, honestly, Ritu. Thank you. Now, just coming up to the, to the end of the interview, I've still got a few more things to get through. Sure. Time really flies. <laughs> um, you've also, uh, you're also involved in this year's Hong Kong International Literary Festival and your event is called Stepping Into White Space. Uh, tell us more about that. So to me, stepping into white space is really getting kicked out of your comfort zone, taking risks and diving into uncharted territory. And I think that's what I've done in my career so far. And I think just writing a self-published book and even dreaming that my, my name could be on a book or standing up um, on a TEDx stage, I've had to step into white space before I could do any of that. I've had to really challenge myself and think, you know, what are my limitations? Do I have limitations? And um, I've been surprised beyond my wildest dreams that I could do things I never thought I could. And I want other people to know that too, that if they have the courage to step out into white space, there's so much more for them. Um, and sometimes it just takes a big push 
and a kick. <laughs> Did anybody in particular help you with that journey or give you that push and a kick? Yeah, I mean, I would say I was very lucky to get buddied up with Trina Nair from TEDx Tinhao Women for my TED Talk. She walked alongside me and, and it was really the seeds of my TED Talk that are planted into this book. And so it's a great honor for me to have Trina Nair as my moderator for this Stepping Into White Space event. Um, she is meticulous. I am a perfectionist and together we are unstoppable. So it is going to be an incredible event and I really hope you'll all join me um, for the launch of Line of the Sky. I don't have my book yet, um, but my beautiful daughter Nadia made this for me. She's a star. <laughs> Just so that I have something to hold up yeah. and say. It's been five years, um, you know, five years for me waiting to hold this book in my hands. And it'll launch very soon. Um, very soon. And I know you've uh, very kindly brought along a, a piece of reading for our listeners this morning. I'd love for our listeners to join us on Facebook, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see and hear Rita there. Uh, Rita, can you give us a, a do us the honours? Thank you. So this is one poem from Lion of the Sky. As I said, Lion of the Sky is a verse novel, so it's told in poetry, but each poem packs a punch. So I invite you to step into the white space with me. The beautiful thing about verse is you can see there's, there's so much white space around the words, and that white space invites you to bring your own connections and your own understanding. So I'd be, I'd be interested to know what you think of this poem. So this is called Saffron, White and Green. Nana beams and puffs out his chest as he hands Iqbal and me small tricolored flags, the new flag of India, for our country's independence. It is saffron, white and green, but Nana says its true colors are courage, faith and peace. The blue wheel is the Ashoka Chakra. Its 24 spokes spin to remind there is life in movement, so we should welcome change, says Nana. How does a country become independent, I ask? By standing up to other countries, like Britain, and taking back its power so it can start making decisions for itself, he says. It's a word I know well. Baba is always telling me to be more independent, to tie my shoes, to make my bed, to get better marks. And I wonder how long it will be before I can make Baba as proud as Nana feels about the Indian flag. I think it's really beautifully written, Ritu. I love the imagery that it creates, you know, the colours of the flag. I can see it so clearly. And I love the link that it has about childhood independence from their parents as well. You know, ultimately, you want that child to thrive and to grow up and to grow up. So this is very much a story of Raj surviving the independence and partition of his country, but also finding the independence in himself and the longing for approval from his father. I have goosebumps just listening to that. How long did it take you to to be happy with your book then? You, did you write it quite quickly? Because prose comes to you quite naturally. How how much sort of going back and forth did you have? So, uh, yeah, as I said, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I would write six or seven poems and then go back and have to refine because I'm part of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators and they have been instrumental in my journey. Every month we meet for critique groups and so I would polish my next 3,000 words and we would sit and people would read and I read what they're writing and we critique and we give each other feedback and that helps you have the momentum to keep going. And it really, in writing, it's very much a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. Well said. Remind our listeners once again, Rita, how can we find out more about you and your work? Are you on social media and your website? I am. My website is rituhemnani.com and I'm in two events at the Hong Kong International Literary Festival this year. One is on the 6th of March, one is on the 9th of March, so I hope to see you there. Excellent. And congratulations once again to your brand new book, Line of the Sky. Rita, it's 
been such a joy and a pleasure to have you on the show. I hope it won't be too long until I invite you back for, for, the, next, uh, for the next book. It sounds like you've got a lot in the pipeline. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Noreen, for having me. Thank you. And now 